Welcome to Annunciation with Father David. Father David is the priest at Annunciation Greek Orthodox Church in Decatur, Illinois, where every week people are connected to the ancient wisdom of Orthodox Christianity. Here is Father David. Christ is in our midst. Good morning. Today, the church celebrates the Holy Fathers of the Seventh Ecumenical Council. And the Seventh Ecumenical Council, of course, was the council which declared that the icons not only um, are good, but that they are necessary both for worship and to declare the incarnation of Christ and the reality of his saints. In other words, what may appear at first to be something about paint on wood is actually about answering the question of who Christ is and answering the question of who God is. And you will see in the hymnody of the church that we place as much import on what the fathers of the seventh ecumenical council said as the first ecumenical council. These two are equivalent in their importance and in what they declare. And thus it is apropos that as we celebrate these fathers, we come to a place in liturgy where we declare the Trinity. And for those of you who are saying, well, what are you talking about, Father? We're just doing, just talking about the small entrance and the Trisagia prayer. And let me remind you that we are now in a place in liturgy where we have to keep in mind that vision that Isaiah saw of the heavenly throne from the sixth chapter of Isaiah. Let me read part of that to you again. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up. The house was full of his glory. Around him stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one cried out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And of course, at the small entrance, we ask that the holy angels enter with us. And the first hymn that we sing after the entrance is the Trisaya hymn. Holy God, holy mighty, holy immortal, have mercy on us. Listen to what John Chrysostom has to say about the sixth chapter of Isaiah. And they cry these words to each other, holy, holy, holy. This indicates that their choir is a perfect harmony and their lauds are in full accord. This hymn is not only praise, but also a prophecy proclaiming the benefits that are going to pour on the earth in inaccurate expression of doctrine. Is it not obvious that they sing three times because they are raising a hymn to the Trinity? And Theodoret of Cyrus further proclaims that when they saying holy, holy, holy as a proper way to indicate the Trinity, the title Lord of Sabaoth, or the Lord of Hosts, is to signify the singleness of their nature. Thus, the church is interpreting this event with this hymn. 
as a declaration about the nature of God himself, that God is Trinity, three in persons, one in nature. And the way that we sing this hymn upon entering into the kingdom of heaven is an expansion upon what the angels sing. They sing, holy, holy, holy. We sing, holy God, holy mighty, holy immortal. Have mercy on us. Holy God, of course, referring to the Father. Holy mighty, referring to the Son. Holy immortal, referring to the Holy Spirit. And you will see this pattern over and over and over again in our prayers, in our hymnody, where we say holy three times, and we will attribute one holy with uh, attributes of the Father, the second holy with attributes of the Son, and the third holy with the attributes of the Holy Spirit. Uh, let me give you an example. This prayer comes at the end of what is known as the Proskimidi, which is a series, which is a small service done by the priest prior to the liturgy, preparing the gifts uh, for being prayed over and then becoming the body and the blood of Christ. And it ends with this prayer, Holy God, Eternal Father, Holy Mighty, Co-Eternal Son, Holy Immortal, all Holy Spirit, glory to you, Holy Trinity. And then it goes on and it says, Being God, you are present in the grave bodily, but in Hades with the soul, in paradise with the thief, and on the throne with the Father and the Spirit, fulfilling all things yet inscribed by none. Again, pointing out the reality of who Christ is that he is God, that he is man, that in his humanity he died and experienced death in its fullness, but at the same time was enthroned with the Father in the Spirit because God is a trinity in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now today, as on all days that we celebrate fathers of a particular ecumenical council, we read from the letter of Paul to Titus, and he tells Titus, and therefore us, I desire you to insist upon these things, that God is a trinity, that Christ is perfect God and perfect man. And the reason that this is important is that if we accept the reality that God is Trinity and that the Son is perfect God, perfect man. It demands of us a certain set of behaviors. And it says so right here. I desire you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to apply themselves to good deeds. And again, in today's gospel where Christ tells the parable of the sower of the seeds, and then interprets it for us. And he says that for those seeds that fall on good soil, they are those, having heard the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bring forth fruit with patience. In other words, what follows an understanding of God is action, is a set of behaviors that brings forth fruit. 
and action and results. And first and foremost of these that we must understand is love. If God is Trinity, He is love. If God is not a Trinity, He is not love. Because if He is a singularity, He cannot be love because love requires another person. If he is a duality, if he is two persons, he is still not love because it is possible to love one person to the exclusion of all others. And in both of those cases, it's not love, it's selfishness. But if God is a trinity, he must be love because love requires sacrifice. Because in order to be able to love more than one person, you must learn the needs of each and be able to sacrifice for the needs of those you love. And this then is exemplified by the incarnate Christ, who shows to what extent God is willing to sacrifice in order to share his love with us. That he is willing to humiliate himself and lower himself to become one of us, to take on our humanity, to suffer and die one of the most humiliating and painful deaths that humanity has ever come up with, so that he might experience death and then raise that humanity from the dead and ascend with it into heaven to be enthroned at the right hand of God the Father. This is the extent to which he is willing to go. This is the love that he has for you. And if we understand that this is the God that we are worshiping, if we understand that when we say, holy God, holy, mighty, holy, immortal, have mercy on us, that we are declaring with the angels the truth about the Trinitarian God who sends his only begotten son so that those who believe in him might have eternal life, that we live a life putting on Christ and becoming more and more and more like him, then one of the fundamental things that we must do is love. And love despite what others do to us. God had to endure all of humanity turning their back on him, giving honor and glory to objects and things, creatures in creation. He had to endure his own chosen people turning away from him again and again and again. He has to endure to this day people that he has given great gifts to, such as our own country, turning their back on him on a daily basis. And yet knowing all of this, knowing it all, he still loved us enough to become a human being and go to the cross. And if he does this, so must we. And thus, Paul says to Titus, I desire you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to apply themselves to good deeds because these good deeds reveal to the world the love that God has for his creation. We are the vehicles of that love. So may we embrace this belief in a Trinitarian God and love and show a world that so desperately needs that love 
that this Trinitarian God does exist and does love them enough to go to the cross. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and forever, and to the ages of ages.